Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also a best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock the potentials and guide them to succeed. Today, I have an amazing guest. Uh, this is somebody who was actually recommended to me that I had to have on my show. But then he beat me to it and asked me to be on his show before we even met. So I absolutely thank him for having me on his show. This guy is the author of the book, Mind Your Own Fitness, and also the book, Develop the Champion Within. He is a man of many skills and roles. He has, he's the founder of the Mind Hack Academy. He's been on radio. He's been on TV. He's been everywhere. And he's the peak performance coach. He's a mindset master trainer. So please welcome the grandmaster himself, Mr. Bob Choate. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I'm so, I'm so, so, so very honored. So honored. <laughs> oh, no, the honor's on mine. Like, it's going through some of the stuff that you've done, it's absolutely amazing. Like, you've been, you've been a lot of different roles. So tell us a little bit more of that history. How did you go from one to the other? I'll, I'll let you share those stories because I don't, I don't want to ruin it for everybody else <laughs> who don't know your history because it's absolutely fascinating. And then also, what are you absolutely passionate right now to be working on? Okay. So um, re regarding my, my um, background, because it's multifaceted, as you checked out, I mean, I, <laughs> uh, when I was 18 months old, my mom put a stick in my hand and was teaching me kendo because like, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm half Japanese and my mom learned from both her older brothers uh, who were both officers in a Japanese army during World War II and they had trained in original Kodokan way back when they were five years old. And, and my uncle KG is still alive. He's about to turn 107. Whew. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, it's that aspect. And then when I lived in Okinawa from age five to age eight, I studied Goju and with, the, which is an Okinawan karate It's one of the ones that the uh, main ones that, that people know about. And I really got, uh, uh, delved into the martial arts. In mm -hmm. fact, that's like my, my foundation for everything that I do regarding e even playing sports and, and, and the way I, I learn things and so forth, including all the different degrees that I have. So I carried that kind of warrior spirit throughout my life. And it wasn't my father who, who was a career army guy that taught me to be that way. And again, it was my mother mm -hmm. and she taught me to be a protector and I could recall around when I was five years old and, and we were, it was either at an airport or a bus station, or it could even been a train station. I don't I remember. All I remember was that she told me to stand guard over the luggage that we had mm -hmm. while she went, I think she went either to like the restroom or something. So I stood guard. I actually stood at attention guarding this, uh, uh, stuff. So, so I, my, my goal when I was a kid, I wanted to be Superman. So I remember uh, George Reeves in the amazing ventures of Superman back in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And he was known. So I wanted to be like that. And, and I tried all kinds of things and, and I just couldn't uh, do it. Uh, and I remember an old uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon where Bugs was like super bugs. He was like Superman kind of bugs. He, he ate these superpower carrots and flying all over the place, beating up all the bad guys and, and trying to save the world. And all of a sudden he lost his carrots. They fell out of his um, cape or whatever 
It just fell down to the ground. The bad guys got it and they ended up becoming super bad guys. And they were attacking bugs and bugs said, stop, I'm going to be a real hero. And so he exited, came back and he was in, in ring Corps dress blues. So that kind of stuck with me. So as I, I went through my childhood and had a lot of different experiences, including a lot of injuries, I can remember on my grandparents' farm in the Ozarks and I was walking on a wet log and, and I had the, one of my many injuries throughout my life. Uh, so I carried this, this can and the can was an old fashioned copy can. So the copy cans back then, they actually had this key on the outside. You had to open it around to lift up the lid and it had a sharp edge. So I carried that can. I slipped on it and it hit me right on my forehead. It split all the way up here. So I had to have stitches. In fact, there's a, you can barely see it. That scar still there. And so I, I got ridiculed as a kid. They thought I was like Frankenstein's monster with a scar going all the way back up here. Wow. Then a few months later at, on the same farm, I was standing next to this hot stove uh, when my grandmother had a skillet full of hot grease. And that was accidentally knocked over and it hit me on my right thigh all the way down. So I ended up with third degree burns. Wow. So now I look like Frankenstein's monster. And, and I remember Frankenstein getting burned or whatever. So I had this, this third degree burn. And if you ever looked, if you ever saw a third degree burn, it really looks grotesque. I mean, it just really, so you know, all the pits and everything in it. So I had that for a lot of years. And yet it didn't stop me from doing a lot of other stuff, including when I played, started playing like football at age nine and I had my little businesses. I also did close around the same time I had uh, a lawnmower cutting service. I had uh, other things. I sold Grit Magazine. This is old magazine used to have in the back of comic books and everything. So you could win prizes and cash and all that. So I had a, a, both of those kind of things going on. And school wasn't like my thing at that time. Until I hit the sixth grade and I realized that I could excel in school and, and even in math and other things. And then all of a sudden it just took off. And by the time I hit junior high and I was already, I was living in, in Georgia at the time, Savannah, Georgia, I lived there for like three years. Okinawa, uh, when I was a kid, was also three years. So I lived in Georgia, uh, went to a school. I, was a, I went to two different schools. One, uh, one junior high was like all white school. Well, they ended up telling me I wasn't supposed to be there. So I went to a school that was about 90% black. And I started um, really doing great in school and then other areas. And I really opened up. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I didn't tell or, or explain to your audience, I've also been a lifelong stutterer, too. Wow. And, and I had other issues when I was five years old going back that I was um, – diagnosed as being mentally retarded. So think about that. My, I had an IQ test and I scored 70 on it. So I was officially uh, referred to as a moron. That was the diagnostic label. So I didn't think I was going to do good until I hit junior high. And then math, boom. I, I started doing really good sixth grade and then in the seventh grade. So I was too advanced for the other seventh graders. They actually put me in algebra one. So I took algebra one in the seventh grade and then I took geometry in the eighth grade and algebra two and trig in the ninth grade. And I took calculus in the 10th grade Mm -hmm. and 
and also physics at that time as well. So everything was like really fast and really accelerating. And, yeah. and, and, and I was doing really well in terms of that. I also opened up. Now my stuttering really didn't go away, but I found another avenue. I found out that also love to perform, but not necessarily speak. So in the ninth grade, I, I had my uh, best friend and we had another guy and we formed a group and we were, we entered a talent show and we had to sing and dance. Mm -hmm. And at that time, James Brown was like a new guy. So we wanted to do one of his numbers. Uh -huh. so, so, so we did a James Brown number and we ended up winning the um, talent show. Cool. Yeah. So I think that period of time in junior high was a really an opening up. I learned a lot and I had a one teacher, Mr. Tower and Mr. Tower. He, he was, I, I would say my, my best teacher. He was very enthusiastic in terms of what he did. Mm -hmm. What we didn't know was he, he also had a love of baseball and, and I, I remember, in fact, all, all my classmates, we all re remember him coming in early in the morning and he would be out like training really, really, really hard. And then in the late afternoon, he'd be at the local high school, which is right next to um, our school. They both had the same name. So he was right there and he was playing baseball with the baseball team. He was boom, 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 all this kind of stuff. And it turned out that that was his dream. He wanted to be a professional baseball player, but he resigned to the fact that, you know, he was going to be a school teacher until he heard about tryouts with the Atlanta Braves. Wow. So he, he started training and training and training. And then he came in, he says, uh, this is towards the end of the school year says, uh, you may have noticed that I've been training really hard and everything like that. And, and he says, the reason I did it was because I love baseball and I wanted to try out. And he says, this is my last year teaching. I won't be coming back next year because I tried out for the Atlanta Braves and I got picked up. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So that kind of inspired me in terms of dreams, somebody going after the dream because I learned from what he did, not from what he said. Right. Yeah. And I think that that was a key for me to go out and live my dreams. And I, I had a lot of them. Remember I told you about Superman? Yeah. So still on your I, list. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was still on my list. So I went and I went through and, and, and I played Excel in sports as well. I had, I was a multi-level letter athlete, um, through school, even like I wrestled in ninth grade at that same junior high. And then, uh, also part of 10th grade till I came to California because I was in 10th grade in, in Alabama and I came to California and, and, I, and they had no wrestling. So I played football. I swam, I ran track. In, in a very short period of time, because I graduated really yeah. fast. And so this was uh, in, a, in 1968, I ended up enlisting in the Marines. Remember back, I told you about the Bugs Bunny cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to be like, you know, like, like that till the, the realization when you're, you're in it, you can't really be Superman. And it's actually stupid to try to be Superman. But, <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to really prove myself. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went to my time in the Marine Corps, uh, starting in boot camp and having to deal with all that. And they got indoctrinated into force recon, mm -hmm. which is uh, 
we call it, uh, people call it special forces. We didn't back then in the Marines. We didn't refer to ourselves as special forces unit, but it was kind of like that. It was, it was a Marine Corps version of it. And so we only focused on what we did in the Marines. Yes, we work with the other, you know, the, the Army Special Forces, the Navy SEALs like that. Sometimes we do that, but you, we usually work in four to six man teams and everything. And, wow. and, and then uh, after that, I was actually recruited by the Los Angeles Police Department and ended up going into to that and spent five years with the LAPD. And it wasn't for me. I wasn't very good at rules and everything. And, uh, <laughs> no, it, so, so here, here's the thing. People ask me, well, you, you were in the Marines. You, you don't like rules. I thought uh, the first thing they teach is discipline. <laughs> yeah. So the, discipline is one thing. Yeah. And, and following the UCMJ, that was another thing. Mm-hmm. But, but dealing with the day in and day out of inspections and rules and all this kind of stuff wasn't for me. So while I was in force recon, we didn't have to deal with it, at least back in those days, the, the kind of rules that the regular fleet guys had to until uh, force recon was disbanded, got, sent me back to fleet and I ended up getting the heck out of Dodge and, and then the LAPD, I didn't think the LAPD would be so rule oriented. They were more rule oriented in a lot of ways. And, and I said, okay, I'm not doing this. I, I need to do my own thing. And I wasn't going to be a corporate guy, didn't fit in that environment. So I ended up starting my own thing from doing bodyguard work to teaching women self-defense and this through the eighties and had an import export company. Mm-hmm. I learned how to write ads, uh, in terms of, uh, creating, like doing mail order. In fact, interesting. See how I'm this really tough guy. But one of my first mail order products was something I had no idea. I just saw a product and I want to sell it. It, it was women cosmetics. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was trying to figure out, I said, if I could sell women cos- cosmetics, mm-hmm. I could sell anything. Because look at the, I mean, I'm not the <laughs> kind of guy that's going to sell women cosmetics. So I, I did some like ads. I put it like these women's magazines. It was, it was a classified ad. It wasn't even a, a, just a little tiny classified ad. Then I found out that was the stupidest thing to do. You don't try to sell a full product off a little classified ad. You, right. you, you want to do a, a multi-step process. And the first thing back in those days, you, you place a classified ad for somebody to get free information so you can capture their, their information. Back there, there was no email. So you capture their name and, and possibly like their phone number, but their address. So you can mail them the information. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake. So I found out that I wasn't going to sell anything. Well, I did get a few sales, which was uh, uh, pretty awesome. And I said, well, the, the headline must have drawn people into to wanting to purchase it. So I ended up uh, selling it. I didn't store the products. Uh, it was actually drop shipping. So, so I did that. Then I got better at writing ads and I got all kinds of like read all the books and studied all the people from Dan Kennedy back then. But even going back before I found some of the uh, classics in terms of advertising. And then, then I started getting better. And then local businesses want me to write ads for them. So, so at that time when I was writing ads, I was also teaching leadership. I was doing leadership workshops and leadership coaching and everything like that. But I ended up uh, writing ads and started a from a one man advertising. And then I grew it to like 50 employees and just grew this, this big thing. And then, and then I exited in 97, went back to school, got my master's in psychology, then 
later on, I ended up getting my PhD in psychology because I love to know how this, this works. Because what I discovered was that everything I did in the past, everything I did and, and learned is all about here. Now, I had studied NLP, which I didn't say uh, earlier. I started that like around 1980 and, and carried that down. I studied hypnosis as well, but I wanted a deep dive. I wanted to know how it all comes together, not, not just the psychology. So my PhD in clinical psychology and neuropsychology, I also studied neuroscience, got my postdoc in that. And I plan on going back to school to getting a third PhD. And then I want to upgrade my neuroscience background as well. Wow. Yeah. So... I really want to know how we tick and why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I want to know why I want, why I do what, what, what I did. So it was just a, it was an interesting journey to this day and everything I, I studied uh, and every there, there's an interconnection. So I tend to be a systems thinker. I look at the connections between everything and I'm also in cybernetics uh, which is a whole nother thing. And it's not psychocybernetics, even though psychocybernetics uh, did come from the initial cybernetics and people talk about cybernetics and everything. So a little the bit. epitome of uh, forever learner. Yeah. For forever <laughs> learner, I, I would consider myself a polymath because I have a, a diverse area and I tend to deep dive in all these different areas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, and it comes to, to the present where I'm continuing this journey and again, I feel like I'm 18 years old. I went, this year I turned 70. So, so ba- based on your genes and your uncles, you're going to live to like 110, 120. <laughs> so you got lots of time to go. I have <laughs> lots of time. I'm, I'm just a kid. Mm-hmm. Just awesome. a kid. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before you had that stutter. And you were also sure. told that you're basically a moron. So it's easy for a lot of people to go, well, that's what I am. That's what they tell me. I, that's, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Correct. What, what was the very, how, how did you overcome that? How did you go, you know what, I'm in control. Or did, did you go through a period of time before, you know what, I need to change something? Well, now my father, because he believed that I was a moron. He even told me that I was stupid. So I had that part and he used to beat me up and everything. Only because of where he came from and his background, everything like that. Yeah. And I had to develop the, the, the shift in, in the belief regarding myself mm-hmm. in order to get past all of that and being able to move forward. Cause I think that was critical. And luckily I did have my mother to teach me how to be a warrior. And, and then I did have a, a, a uh, wanting to know more including early on. So I went, I went through that period to discover what is it about being a, a warrior that makes it a warrior? Is it about going out and fighting and everything like that? And, and I looked at like a lot of warriors out there, including the ancient samurai and, and uh, native American warriors and, and, and uh, warriors from different cultures uh, from the uh, Vikings and, and the, uh, uh, ancient Greeks, the, the Spartans and, and so forth. And in every single case, yes, physicality was a big part of it, but they had to develop a certain mindset. So if we can develop a mindset to be able to overcome certain things and be able to move forward, be able to move forward, be able to move forward, then why not do the same thing 
of of developing who we are mm-hmm. and and i decided that yeah i wasn't a moron i wasn't dumb and that iq test there's a reason why i scored such a low score in that iq test and it was stress and anxiety and everything like that was a, was a part of it mm-hmm. and i ended up in 1985 i retook the iq test so remember i scored a 70 so i reached the iq test and i scored a 156 and then you threw it in their face and i threw it in their face. <laughs> so i went from a moron to a genius wow. and and i was thinking huh this freaking whole iq thing is stupid the way people classify in terms of that mm-hmm. then i studied about the iq test and it turned out that the originator the very first person, Alfred Binet, mm-hmm. when he created IQ test, his goal was not to say that that this person is always going to be like at this level. What he wanted to do was find out what what a person's base was at that time, and then develop things where they can now improve themselves. Mm-hmm. Wasn't meant to be an overarching intelligence over on this is all you're going to be. Right. It wasn't until later on that other people took it and and decided to turn it into this yeah we're going to separate these people by these groups mm-hmm. you're stupid you're smart and it just did not make sense to me and and after i did my research and found out why i said okay people are idiots that that tend to believe in, and categorize people in, in mm-hmm. these certain groups so Every single person that I, I talk to, you are not that. You have the ability and, and, and you can move forward. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the way it works. When, when we challenge ourselves, we move forward. In fact, your, your brain will change when you move forward. The instant that you make a decision and then you take the action, you move forward towards something. And even me now. When I hear even gunfire or, or some, some kind of thing going down, I move forward towards it. It's just because it's built into me. It's always going to be that way, even at my age. When I see um, even uh, bullies picking up, picking on somebody, I move forward. I take action. I get involved in the middle of it, and, and, and I'll stop it. And I've done that many times already. And so even in, in a world of uh, – like whether it's business or, or anything, mm-hmm. this forward momentum that I think everybody should have forward momentum. Even if you plop and I did that, um, <laughs> in parkour, uh, back in April of 2013, I had a major parkour fell. And so this is, so how that happened. And I was with my best friend, Jason Johnson, mm-hmm. who's a former Muay Thai super every world champion. So, what I, I wanted to show them how to jump from one rail to another. And this is where I lost focus. When you're talking to somebody, you don't stand on top of rail and try to jump across uh-huh. another rail. You don't do that. You need absolute focus. And this is also the thing in life. You want to have that focus and you stay focused on that. And so as I jumped onto the rail, my trailing foot here went over the rail. <laughs> I went over like that and did a face plant in the concrete. My nose went sideways. I had blood all over the place. And I thought I lost all my teeth because my lips were swollen, everything like that. And, and, and luckily I didn't. And 
So it was, uh, it, it taught me a lesson, focus, 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 focus. And, and I, I tell all the people, if you're involved in too many things and you think you, and you ask yourself, why is things not happening? Then I say you're out of focus. You're involved in too many things. You're distracted here and here and here and here. Yeah. Including that freaking social media, you know, going on Facebook <laughs> all the time or Twitter or whatever. You're, you're, you're losing focus. Stop scrolling through Instagram mm-hmm. and snap out a Snapchat when you can. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you're, 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 you're too many, too many, too many distractions. And we only have a certain amount of bandwidth in our brain to be able to, to do anything. So, if you want to become successful in a certain area, I'm not saying that money is, is su- successful, but success is what you define it as, but you need to stay absolutely focused. If you want to become really, really good in a certain area, you stay focused and boom, 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 boom. And, and find ways of eliminating this, these distractions. And one of the things I've done on my, my iPhone. So like right here is to turn off all the, the darn notifications <laughs> turn them all off i don't care turn them all off you don't need them you don't you'll, you'll, you'll be much happier not having that because our brains are hardwired to respond to certain things and we get into the dopamine fix and that's what it is it's a, it's a big dopamine dump and when you hear a ding boom dopamine rises and same thing as being in a casino you yeah. hear the ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. You know, somebody pulls this down and, it, and, and those machines are, are designed to unleash huge amounts of dopamine. Yeah. And our phones are designed the same way. So you need to dump, dump, dump those notifications so you can drop your, your dopamine. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm not saying dopamine is bad. Dopamine yeah. is good if you do it for the right ways. For sure. Uh, yeah. Very, very cool. Lots of great insights already, man. <laughs> would, would you say that uh, do, doing martial arts and then also being as part one of the members of the LAPD, did that prepare you better and give you more beneficial uh, characteristics going into business and entrepreneurship? Mm, the martial arts, yes. The LAPD, not so much. But the Marine Corps, yes. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is because one of the things, discipline you, you mentioned earlier, but also uh, being mission oriented. So one of the things uh, I really had a deep dive in is, is focusing and training for missions. Yeah. We would train two to three times as hard for the mission than the actual mission. Mm-hmm. We would train our freaking buns off going there mm-hmm. uh, day in and day out. And our focus was absolutely on that mission. We knew that when we made a mistake, Mm-hmm. it can cost us our lives and the lives of other people. Yeah. So, so we train, we train in the environment that we we're going to go in. We knew where we were going to go. Uh, we had a certain amount of intelligence. So we were trained based on, on, uh, around that intelligence. And we had to like, okay, what if this happened? We would do something like this. Now, did it always work according to plan? No, but we were much better prepared. And in business, it's the same way, especially as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. If you're already running an established business, it's going to be different. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting out, uh, 
you you want to be really mission oriented. I think every business and I think every person should 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 have a mission. Mm-hmm. And when you have a mission and you stay on point with that mission, your goals are going to be aligned with it. And 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 everything that you do is going to be aligned with it. And so again, going back to Marine Corps, we had a mission. We knew what our mission was. Mm-hmm. And we would keep complete focus and, and just going to over a period of time in order to accomplish that mission to become successful in that. And in a business world, I, I had to learn to do that. And, and that's the reason when I see people who are not on mission, if they're focused only on making money, that's not a mission. Sure. You need to have a mission first when you have a mission first and and making sure that you you create a lot of value, then people are going to pay you for that value in terms of what you offer, whether it's a, uh, a physical product or service or, or otherwise. People will pay you for the value, but people will see right through you if all you're, you're focused on is this. If that's your mission, then I'm going to tell you to get the heck out of Dodge because you're not going anywhere. Right. We see this time and again. Mm-hmm. And- Very well said. Now, would you say uh, the word fear doesn't really come into your vocabulary anymore? With, with Yeah, with Marine Corps, with uh, martial arts, being that protector. You also talked about leaning forward, heading towards the danger, heading towards the, the action. Is, is fear yeah. an action, uh, a factor for you? Well, yeah, so so l- let, me, let, me, um, let, me, let me look at that, that word fear. Because I don't think fear is all bad if you understand it. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I say that is that if you go back to our Paleolithic days, they, they had an awareness of their environment. So they would have, um, if, if danger came up, so the amygdala would fire off and, you know, and the heart rate would go and everything like that. So adrenaline would be sent through the body in order to face that danger. So it creates a certain level of awareness. So fear in of itself, if applied correctly, then you can use it to your advantage. Mm -hmm. And it, so that has enabled me to be able to move forward applied correctly. So I understand that, that aspect. I think what happens with most people uh, is that they don't fight forward. They actually will freeze or they'll, they'll, they'll run away. And, and again, that's part of what was built in. Mm-hmm. But if you understand it, you can use it to your advantage. So in, in a physical co- confrontation, if I'm dealing with a threat, so I'm going to go there and then, uh, and I'll show you how it applies in terms of business. If you're dealing with a threat, you understand how your body works, then you know that your, your blood is being rushed to your extremities. Either it's going to prepare you to run, it's going to prepare you to, to fight. So it actually will make you stronger. Knowing that, then you could take advantage of it. You can redirect it towards, towards making things happen. Yeah. Now, I actually uh, will call it like nervousness. So one of my greatest fears wasn't getting killed. It was actually speaking on stage. Public speaking was like my greatest fear. Wow. Yeah. Only because like it harkens that back to my younger days, you know, mm-hmm. the stuttering and everything else like yeah. that. But once I learned to like understand what was happening to me as I stood in front of an audience, I said, you know, I can use this. 
So I use this energy to make me much better. It's not about fighting, but using energy to really project out. Yeah. And nowadays, when I speak in front of a, uh, an audience, if I don't feel that, I, I actually get concerned. <laughs> if I'm so calm and I'm so confident, then I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because I know that when I have that energy coming in, I'm actually delivering much, much uh, in, in a more powerful way. Mm -hmm. So I get up there and I try to find some way of bringing that nervousness back in prior to speaking. So there's got to be something to, to do it because that makes me a much, much better public speaker in front of an audience versus uh, not having it. So otherwise, yeah, it keeps me on edge. It keeps yeah. me focused. Remember? So like, like that ad adrenaline um, actually will keep you focused if, if you understand it. Yeah, so I'm able to stay focused in terms of like seeing my audience and everything like that, knowing what I'm delivering, and and I don't need to like have cards or anything unless it's certain kinds of quotes that I don't uh, re remember when I'm speaking. But it keeps me focused and it keeps me like engaged, and I'm enjoying it. If I'm there and I'm really calm and everything, mm -hmm. I can get bored. I get I can get complacent. I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I want to make, I, I want to have an audience that challenges me mm -hmm. really. Um, uh, yeah. So that's, that's like, okay. I feel energized with that. So if anybody wants out there to challenge me, I'm here to, to, to be challenged. I don't care. <laughs> no, challenges are always good. Um, so as you said before, well, listening to you speak, you have a lot of references to the brain. Uh, you're a doctor in psychology and you do ML, like you study MLP as well. Now, when you know so much about the mind, what, sure. do you, what, what would you say is the number one reason why people are so hesitant to jump out of their comfort zone? And then what would you say is the number one thing that they should do to get out of that comfort zone and achieve what they want to achieve? Yeah, so, so you see, you, you mentioned comfort zone. So people... Um, are so used and, and by the way we see this th throughout the country where people will follow somebody else uh in, in regarding to this re re regarding the, the same thing mm -hmm. and and people want other people to lead them in general and we see this in politics we see this in religion we see this in business and people uh they've gotten so comfortable that they uh, just have that inability to be able to move forward. And they also have, they, they, they think they have to take that, that giant leap in order to get to where they want to go to. And instead, because the way we work as human beings is that it's much easier to take tiny steps. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, if you want to get somewhere, take a tiny step. And I'm going to use fitness because this works the same way in, in business. If you want to get, if you want to start getting fit, don't think about what's going to be happening. Like, you know, that, that hundred pounds, let's say you, you want to lose. So if you want to lose a hundred pounds, don't think about that. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's an old uh, analogy. Uh, how do you eat an elephant? Mm -hmm. how, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. 
preferably with barbecue sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how do you get fit? How do you lose a hundred pounds? One small step at a time. Mm -hmm. So if you had, if you have a hard time getting out and working out, well, just get out and, and just take a few steps. I tell people, if you're sitting on, on a sofa, stand up and sit down, stand up and sit down simultaneously and do that like 15 or 20 times to stand up, sit down, stand up and sit down, stand up and sit down. That's all you have to do. If you can do that. And especially first thing in the morning, just do that 15 to 20 times. Then, then, uh, after like a week to two weeks of doing that, then step away from the sofa, then stand up and then squat down, stand up and squat down, stand up and squat down 15 to 20 times. And, and just keep doing those small little things. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this big workout. It only, only takes a, a few minutes to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then all of a sudden, you're going to notice, like, you, your, your brain's going to start rewiring itself. Yeah. Then you're going to start doing more. You're going to start doing more squats. You're going to start adding in other things. And, and the same thing, changing your diet, you do the same thing. Just, just a small little change, uh, like, Take something that you really like, add in something, just take a little bit of that out and then put, put something healthy in, but don't do a huge shift mm-hmm. or even like clearing out your cupboard. Just, just do a little bit, but it's a small little baby steps. And, and, and the more you do that and you start adding, you start a, a, accumulating those small steps, eventually it's going to add up. And, and, and again, a journey of a thousand miles begins one step at a time. Very well. One step at a time. That's it. That's it. And and your brain's going to get rewired. You're going to have new. You can establish new habits because all we are is just accumulation of habits. But once you start rewiring your brain, and just like that old thing, um, uh, neurons that fire together wire together. So you're going to start wiring, and it's going to have this this huge, huge canal of neurons that's going to be so powerfully connected. Mm-hmm. And and again, we have to weaken the ones that that stop us. So again, small steps, small steps, small steps, small steps, moving towards that. And, and, and when you do that and you focused on, on the long term, and again, there's, there's a lot of different ways when I work with my clients or I teach, I have uh, different ways of, of helping them in terms of getting there, but it's always important. Uh, I would say if you have goals and you, and people tell you to set goals and everything, I tell you to, Imagine what you see into the future. It, look at what you see into the future, what you really want, and you want to be clear. So in NLP, we, we have a process of, of really adding in the, the submodalities of that. So that's the, the, the aspects of the visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, and even the, the smell and taste. But you want to imagine that you're actually there. You can see it in, in, in color and 3D and all this kind of stuff as if you were there already living that goals, but, but there's a missing piece. You have to actually now backtrack to your current reality. You have to understand where you're currently at, except if you only have that, but not know your current reality, then you're, you're, you're going nowhere. So we have to recognize that. Yeah, we're in a crappy situation right now, but this is where I want to get to. I'm going to do that through baby steps. I'm going to connect. I'm going to do this kind of stuff. So it's one step at a time, but that's what I want. That's what I'm going after. But I'm doing it one step at a time in order to get there. I have to make adjustments and everything like that. 
So uh, on a mission, we knew that it was always one step at a time. Yeah. If we came up to a challenge or an obstacle, we learned to adjust. So you learn to adjust. You learn to adapt. You learn to overcome in order to continue that. Mm-hmm. And same thing in everything that we do. Adjust, right. overcome, adapt, and overcome. So you just move there. And, yeah. and eventually, you, you're, you're going to start seeing it bear fruit. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. People just don't get the uh, – they, people quit too fast when they don't see it, they don't get that instant gratification. They start going, you know what, it's not working, I'm gonna stop. So no, it's that, it's that consistency, that persistency to keep right. on taking those steps that allows them to, to achieve the goals they, that they've always wanted. Yeah, now, yeah, exactly. Now, if, if you had an opportunity right now and the world is giving you the stage mm-hmm. and they go, the next few comments and the next few words that you say is gonna be heard by everybody. What would you share? Okay. I would say really look, look at yourself. And when I say self, because learn to understand who you really are. Because if you don't understand who you are, then you're, you're, you're never going to be successful. Mm-hmm. You see, we go through life and we have a belief system that's been installed by other people. People have told us who we are, but we don't know who we are. We are doing things that other people have said. I've had clients and I've had friends that have done things and they were successful in their career, but who it wasn't who they were mm-hmm. and they hated it. Yeah. I talked to one gal who was a psychiatrist. She went to it because her family wanted her to be a doctor. So she did it. Then in her mid forties, she decided it wasn't for her. She actually wanted to be an actress. So, so she ended up leaving that had another friend who was a successful attorney up in the Bay area. And I sat down because I saw how miserable he was and he was 50 years old at the time. And I had this conversation and I said, Barry, uh, if you could imagine what you really want and and if you could have it, what would that be? And he started thinking, he says, you know, Bob, back when I was in college, I was a DJ of my um, college radio station. So I asked him to describe it. And as he described it, I could see his face completely change. He went from looking really old to becoming brighter. And, th- and, then, I, and then I said, is there something I don't get? Mm-hmm. So a few months later, he called me up and he says, um, Bob, guess what? And I said, what? He said, uh, I started interning at a local radio station oh. now, at that time he was making a couple million dollars a year as an attorney mm-hmm. and that was back in the early 90s wow and so he started slowing down his law practice he started doing this internship then a year later he actually started working as a dj now he did his, his law practice part-time his wife left him because he wasn't making the kind of money anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he was, he, so he was overweight. He walked like an old man. When I saw him next, he had lost all this weight and he started walking like, like he looked like 10 or 20 years young, younger. Mm-hmm. He completely shifted. He, he acted like he was back in college or something even. And uh, it was so amazing to see the shift because he discovered who he was, mm-hmm. what, 
what really drove him. And, and I say to the audience, when you know yourself, and Socrates, Socrates said, know thyself. If you understand who you are and understand where, where, where your heart, what, what's going to, to drive you, then whatever you do, you're not going to let stop. And you need to understand that a lot of what's happening in your mind, the beliefs and everything are not yours. Mm-hmm. Every, it's accumulation of, of what other people have told you. Your, your family, your friends from the past, the educational system and so forth, they have installed these beliefs. So you need to look at them. You need to break it down. Is it based in reality or, or if it's just something that somebody told me? So you need to unleash all that and get to know yourself. Because when you have that, again, that's the foundation that's going to move you forward and, and help you to become truly successful in your life. Wow. Talk about deep. This is like the deepest interview I've ever done. You <laughs> <laughs> go down, 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 and just search who you are. Um, you, you have a book called The, uh, the My Own Fitness. Yeah, that was an older one. Yeah. And then I, the next one is Developing the Champion Within. Developing the Champion Within. And, and both of them are available now? Uh, the Developing Champion Within is in its final stages. I'm going to have that out. And I'm also working on, on another book as well. And I'm going to rewrite some of my old books that I had. Uh, I had one back in the 90s called Recon Marketing. Mm-hmm. And then I had another one called The Inspired Warrior. So I'm, go- oh. I'm going to rewrite The Inspired Warrior. I think that's going to be... I'm going to add in new information as I, as I uh, came across to make it even more powerful now than, than what I had years ago. So, wow. so how, how can people uh, reach out then and get your books or reach out to you? Yeah. So they can go to my website, which is B O B C H O A T.com. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. It, it's very easy. I'm also on Google and everything like that. And, and, uh, and me and Dr. Sophie Nabani, we have our NLP basic practitioner. We're actually having, we, the classes we're doing, we, we're recording it so we can um, offer it to people throughout the world uh, that can't be on it for the, for the live version. And we have other programs that we're jointly we're doing. And then also individually as well. Mm-hmm. I have uh, my MindHack Academy, of course, MindHackAcademy.tv uh, and have, have uh, those courses there. And so again, I'm, I'm everywhere. Again, you just can Google me and, and, and just come and send me a connection request on LinkedIn as well. And, and again, I'm available uh, in, in a multiple of ways and I'm looking forward to really making a difference. That's, that's, you know, and, and then also pass the baton to some of the younger people as well. Very nice. So for everybody out there, uh, if you found that this episode has been very deep and you've gone that deep into your mind thinking about that different things and you've been inspired, make sure you reach out to uh, Dr. Bob Schultz here and connect with him. He is a wealth of knowledge, lots of great stories, lots of great uh, insight, and his books are awesome. I, I know his uh, the podcast is awesome because I was part of one of those. So, of course, it's great stuff. But before I let you go, I have five quick questions. And just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Now, if you had the opportunity to go toe to toe in the ring with any martial arts uh, movie star, who would that be? Ooh, boy. Um, 
there uh, because I had so many and, and a lot of my friends uh, have also been in the movies as well in terms of um um uh gosh um uh, if Bruce Lee was still around I would like to have gone with him mm-hmm. uh, uh also Danny Inasanto because they're the ones I know um John Michael White mm-hmm. uh, I, I like because he's he's uh he's he's a big guy and everything like that and and he has a lot of the the uh um aspects of um of fitness that I like as well. Mm-hmm. Oh and oh, very cool. Yeah. So now so, yeah, you have all three of these guys, Bruce Lee mm-hmm. included, at your at your kitchen table. Mm-hmm. They're all hungry. What's uh what's a special dish and special type of food that you would serve for them? Yeah, so because of my Japanese background and my mom taught me how to make sushi and, and I was eating sushi be, before it was a thing in the United States. <laughs> and, and I know how to slice, uh, the, uh, the, um, fish. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, sushi, what I see a lot of people get are not sliced correctly. So I would serve it uh, based on what my mom taught me and, and just serve, serve that meal. Ooh, I, I wouldn't mind being part of that dinner. Um, you're on the amazing race. Okay. And you got to a roadblock. You, you rip open that envelope. What is one activity that you do not want to see on there? One activity I do not want to see on there. Yeah. Um, that I have to go on stage and, and walk down, uh, into the audience wearing a bikini wow that's very that's very detailed you had some thought into that (laughs) (laughs) and then what is the next big thing for you well the the next big thing is really expanding uh the the learning platform the online learning platform but i'm looking at uh both the 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 current online but really uh, developing a hybrid model as i look at at technology and and looking at like an augmented reality so i've been looking in terms of that and and see how that can be incorporated so i I know that the technology is there and and it's getting better and 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 streaming bat um bandwidth is getting better Mm -hmm. so 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 you can imagine speaking on stage but you, you may be speaking in a comfort of your living room, but you're on stage, but people will see you on stage and in another country or, or, or multiple areas. Mm-hmm. So you can duplicate yourself without necessarily traveling and people, the audience will get the same experience right. as if, as if I'm there. And so, so, so I'm looking at that and, and really studying the, the technology. I have a, a, uh, a friend out here, that's done stuff for Hollywood in terms of uh, both virtual reality and augmented reality, and and then also uh, 3D technology. I'm also looking in like artificial intelligence getting better, mm-hmm. and so computers going to be much better. So I'm so I'm looking at now I'm getting in technology area right? because I'd studied uh, a thing called Spintronics. Yeah. So so you you you've heard of Spintronics? I've heard of the term. I haven't gone deep into it. Yeah. So Spintronics is basically, so, so you think about like 
um, digital technology now, like ones and zeros and everything like that. So they're just, these are like, if you look, if you think about electronics, these are just gates that open and close in, in, in micro circuits. Mm -hmm. So, so an open circuit is like a zero, a closed circuit is yep. a one. So, yep. so in digital technology, you have that spintronics is not like that. So now you're working at the subatomic level. So you, so these are like, it spins and, and so so it can spin this way or spin this way. And so electronics will actually connect in terms of that. And, and data, data can be sto stored and, and it, it'll never crash, but it's much faster. So think about a computer that will go like, will be like anywhere from a hundred thousand, a million times faster and store the same amount of data. Wow. So, so you can think about, again, something the size of your iPhone. And this is what I picture because I don't think we're going to be using these the same way in the future. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine if there's going to be a projector coming out of here um, that's going to be built into it. Mm -hmm. And now we're not going to have to store any, any really data, maybe some apps, but store data on our things. It'll automatically, automatically uploaded to a, a cloud, all, all your data and yeah. all the software and everything. But now everything is going to be like, instead of tapping on your iPhone, you'll have it like, it'll project a screen and now you'll be able to formulate a screen. It'll, it'll read your, your hand signals like this and boom, boom, boom. You can, you can adjust and everything like that. So minority report. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just so, so, I, so my, my mind kind of works that way. I look at and, and I see these possibilities. I don't like to get stuck in the past and I'm not some, some old guy that says, oh, yeah, I remember when computers were this and this and this. Yeah, I can remember that. I, my, I studied computer programming during my last semester in high school and then programmed IBM 360s. I studied Fortran 4. Wow. And so I understand and I understand how technology has changed through the decades. And and I'm looking forward to to seeing what, ne what what's next and 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 the possibilities. I think what what this is this is okay, and I'm I'm going to get the iPhone 12. I think it's okay, mm -hmm. but I think there's like it's going to be big. It's yeah. going to be much bigger than what we what we can even perceive now. So, I think it's going to be the younger people, like the the, the really young kids, are going to embrace that more. So I'm telling like so so when I'm doing my kind of stuff. I'm going to try to use as much of this technology. If I'm teaching even an online course, I want to try to see how can I adapt it into this new technology versus uh, using old technology, which is what we're doing now. So cool. And then my, my final question here is what is success like? But before that, give me a number between one to three. Between one and three, two. Two? Mm -hmm. So how is success? Like a lava lamp. How it's success like a lava lamp. Ah, very good. I, I like that. So a, a lava lamp, because of the construction and, and how the material moves around in it, uh, depending on, on the heat sources as it moves up and down, everything like that. So success is, is always going to be continue in a continuous movement. True success is never stagnant. Like a lava lamp that continuously moves and it, and, it, and it moves through its environment, so is success. So, so you always have to continuously move, change shapes, adapt. And if you're 
if you're stuck in the same way of doing things, then you're actually regressing. There's no growth. So success is a continuous moving here, 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 here. So what's it going to happen? What's it going to be like today? And again, you know, I talk about technology. We don't know what's going to come tomorrow. So you have to be ready to adapt what's going to be, ha- what's going to be happening tomorrow. And, and so when, when, you, when you're able to do that, again, but you still stay focused on your mission. A lava lamp is, is, is in a container. So it has, that's its mission is to continue moving around inside there. You stay on your mission, but you adapt until you, you, you accomplish that. And yeah. Awesome. Well said. And that's a very good take on why success is like a lava lamp. So very well done. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for your time. And thank you for all your insights and your wisdom. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed all your stories and made me dive deep into my mind. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. And for everybody else, uh, remember to reach out to Dr. Bob Choate. Uh, obviously, he has a lot of great insights, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from him. And make sure you tune into his shows because they're always great content. So thank you once again. He is Dr. Bob Choate. My name is Fong Chua. And until next time, today is the day to unlock your peak potential. We'll see you later.